today we want to finish this whole uh, segment, this category, by looking at engaging in partnership. How do we practically engage in partnership with other people? Hello and welcome again to another session in our teaching series, which we've titled Band of Disciples, Band of Disciples. And throughout this uh, teaching series, we want to equip one another to be better disciplers, to disciple others, to be a certain type of persons in the world, to be a certain kind of people in the world, to see before their very eyes that God created them to live a way to become a type of people that resemble Him in the world. He's given them all the capabilities, particularly after the fall, Jesus came, died and rose again and sent His Holy Spirit so that when uh, people accept Him, they are united uh, to the life of the triune God by the power of the Holy Spirit through incredible grace that we can't even fathom, we can't even comprehend that we could become partakers of divine nature, that God unites himself to us. And uh, and as a result of that, we then have the capability to be a certain type of people, to be the very people that God created us to be, to be the type of people that, that, that live on earth uh, as if Jesus's uh, DNA is being expressed in our body. Bodies. Obviously, whatever Jesus was by nature, we are by grace. Not, not because we are some type of God. We're only uh, able to live the Jesus character and, and manifest his, uh, his competencies only as much as we united with Christ. It's not on our own. We don't somehow become gods in any way, shape or form. God forbids. But that expression of our divine nature is associated with our union with Christ, being in Christ. And that gradually gets displayed um, in, with with uh, a measure of imperfection until we are glorified when Jesus returns and He transforms our body to be in the glory in His own glorious nature and we'll live eternally with the same as as the as the restoration as the completion as the as the most incredible way that that God restored humanity in a way that we can't ever possibly get our head around it because why would God want to do that unless he was a supremely loving beyond all comprehension. So given that that's the Christian life, we've been thinking about the discipling calling and what are our role? Like God has a role where He deposits supernaturally in us the, capa the capacity to live uh, the, with you know, the life of Jesus. Then we have the discipling community that enables that to happen. And obviously the disciple himself that needs to collaborate with the Spirit of God and take responsibility. But then we recognize within the discipling community that we have a role as spiritual parents, as as disciplers who, uh, who look after other people. And we try to articulate that role in three, um, you know, uh, 
comprehensive uh, uh, ministry tasks, so to speak. Number one is that we model a possibility to show people what they could become as they live out under the, 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 uh, the, the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit. They live out their potentiality. They actualize that. Then we, we talked about teaching a pattern. We talked about that. Jesus did that um, uh, with his disciples uh, that uh, we, we, we learn how to emulate his teaching capabilities of teaching people to learn actively, to learn collaboratively, to learn reflectively. And we also talk that throughout the New Testament, we'll learn how to help people grow and learn gradually, how they slowly, slowly exhibit the character of Christ in their life so that they, they don't, they're not set up for failure by thinking, you know, they're going to be like that in a moment. So we, we talked about teaching a pattern progressively and and uh, we today want to finish this whole uh, segment, this category, by looking at engaging in partnership. How do we practically engage in partnership with other people? What is the role of a discipler when it comes to engaging in authentic partnership? And today, I really hope to give you some uh, ideas, uh, practical um, uh, insights and tips that I have learned from our team of disciples here. So, um, you know, I guess when I first um, got introduced to discipling or the idea of being in discipleship, I experienced that in a family context at home. I experienced that with my family. My father, uh, you know, um, at was living such a uh, a God-honoring, wholehearted, uh, faith-filled, experienced significant persecution for the sake of Jesus. And he lived in such a way that I was so attracted to the way of Jesus through him. I, I wasn't willing to make a full-on decision to forsake, uh, you know, the good life, the image that I had for myself. But I was so intrigued by the way, him and my mom were living wholeheartedly for Jesus. And he found a way to, to engage me in some discipling relationships from a very young age. And my dad was not just a person that I got to church to be discipled by him. He wasn't a guy who knew too much theology. The, the first connection whenever I met with dad was not what he's going to teach. It was, he's my dad. Can you see the difference? Uh, uh, you know, we always attribute, um, uh, you know, we, we, we impose upon people a particular uh, role that we see them in. Oh, he's the teacher. Oh, he's the police officer. Oh, he's the principal. Oh, he's the pastor, whatever it might be. He's the connect group leader. Uh, I experienced discipling in such a natural way that honestly, if, 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 if you know, looking back, I know obviously it was a discipling experience, but back then, if you asked me, I couldn't tell you uh, this guy is my discipler. Um, he was my dad. I, I observed his life. Yes, I did listen to some of the uh, you know, teaching and the discussions that he engaged me and some of my friends in. Um, you know, I, I, I connected with him. I trusted him. I was transparent with him. In most cases, uh, when it suited me. But, but the reality is I couldn't say that he's a disciple. We did life together. Uh, 
really? <laughs> so that's all I knew about discipling. But as I grew up and migrated to uh, Melbourne, Australia, and I was part of connect, uh, connecting environments, connect groups, you know, there was a group of young adults who did life together really well. And we, we, we helped each other to engage with God's Word, to pray sometimes, you know, to, 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 to the morning, all night. And we played you know, soccer together, we, we went on camps together, and we've been in the church together. And that was another discipling experience that whilst I was in it, I really couldn't articulate to you that I was being discipled by these guys. You know, we were almost like uh, uh, impacting one another in profound ways, but we're not really knowing about it. It was more a tacit type of, of knowledge that you couldn't fully uh, express in words. But then I got into ministry and I got into churches and then it became systematic. Discipleship is about being in a, in a small group and doing some, uh, some studies and so on. And, and I realized over time uh, this wasn't working. Even as a pastor, I, I, I equipped some uh, disciples uh, and, and connect group leaders with some curriculum to, to engage with other group members and to help them become uh, uh, you know, grow and, and become uh, Jesus-like disciples. But it, it was just collapsing. You know, those people just had in, uh, in, in their um, weaponry, they just basically had a curriculum and a couple of sessions where we did, you know, training about the curriculum. And I would meet with them once a month and we'll talk about it. But there wasn't really life on life in any way. And I was very frustrated why they weren't able to impact their group members. In fact, at one time in, I think it was May 2007, where we had a connect group leaders meeting and some of them were saying, this curriculum is too hard to understand. Others would say, this curriculum is too easy for my group members to understand. It's not really meaningful. <laughs> is it hard? Is it easy? Uh, you know, this is more like a, a school curriculum. You know, there's people aren't developing as a result of this. And I was so uh, perplexed by that. Uh, Several years later, I was invited in a discipling uh, relationship with a group of people in another church nearby my house. Uh, they were experienced uh, people in ministry. And the leader of that group met with me to help me understand what, what the group is all about. You know, we'd meet fortnightly, we'd share our experiences, we'll reflect with one another and we, you know, we support one another. And I recall him saying this, honestly, maybe word for word, maybe, maybe not, maybe it's my paraphrase, but that's what was etched in my memory. He said, this is not like other connect groups. We actually do life together. I was so excited. Unbeknown to me, obviously, it scratched something that I experienced in my growing up years with my family, something that I experienced with my spiritual family as a young adult. And now that I'm in ministry, I was so maybe longing for that, but I couldn't really express what I was longing for. And we began the, the, the experience of meeting together. Maybe we were together for a year and a half. I don't fully remember. And we shared, you know, every time we met fortnightly, we'd share transparently with one another what was going on and we'll pray for each other and we commit to pray for one another throughout the two weeks. But after maybe six months or whatever, I began to, to wonder, how are we doing life together? <laughs> 
I never hear from a single member uh, outside the, the formality of our gathering. I'm confident they were praying for me. But there was no engagement. We didn't have coffees together. We didn't, we didn't share, you know, things. And, and it's just my, as much as my fault as it is the culture that was being promoted in that environment that, that you know, some of them work together in a church environment. So maybe they were doing life together. But I didn't understand how gathering together fortnightly and committing to pray for one another was doing life together. But we know the jargon. Intuitively, we know that we need to partner with one another and do life together uh, so, so that we can develop and grow. We know intuitively because you and I know that there are three modes of engagement. There is the formal engagement. There is the non-formal uh, engagement and there is the informal engagement. We do that in all types of environments. You know, you meet with people formally in, in an environment. Non-formally, you could maybe connect with them uh, around, you know, um, a group of interaction, a, a subcommittee, a, a workforce, but it's not really a curriculum-oriented type of learning environment. And then there is the informal, incidental connection. It's not planned learning. It's not like it has a, a specific curriculum, but we rub shoulders with one another. We observe one another as we eat together, as we talk together, as, as, we, as, as we go to, um, to watch a, you know, a game of footy together, as whatever it might be, we are rubbing shoulders. And the same thing uh, is, is what meant to happen uh, in our engagement with other people in partnerships. Uh, maybe we have formal gatherings where we study the Bible together, where we where interact with, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, a specific deliberate, you know, call it curriculum, uh, a formality of teaching. It might be a seminar. It might be a preaching thing. It might be a Bible study. It might be a group like we do in our communities of disciples where we, where we engage with uh, specific segments of sharing quiet times and, 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 and uh, interacting with a narrative from the scripture and sharing our experience. It's very formal. It's, it's pre-planned and deliberate. But then there is opportunities where we connect with other people without a deliberate curriculum, where we just share our lives together. Maybe we, we share our quiet times, but it's, it's, it's not really uh, you know, a, a strict, deliberate curriculum that we engage with. But we do that. Maybe even some small groups do that in different church environments. The, the bit that we don't do so well at times is the informal gathering together, rubbing shoulder because we don't have time, right? We're so busy. You know, I want to I wanna come to my, um, you know, discipleship group and I, I want to finish quickly because I need something, I need to do something later. And I, 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 I don't have that margin in my time to be able to linger around. Maybe some of us are reserved. Maybe some of us are, you know, what they call private people. They don't really like that type of openness and so forth. But we all know intuitively that the best um, impact that we've, we've experienced in our life didn't come because of reading an article, but because we rubbed shoulders with people that we admired and loved and who invested in us and cared for us. And we observed the way they interacted with their family, the way they interacted in their work environment, maybe the way they interacted in their church. And, and that rubbed on us. 
And that was informal. And if you went back and he said to that person that impacted your life, he said to them, you know what? Remember that day we were at that restaurant and you did this and you really impacted my life. They would, wouldn't probably remember that. But we know that we need a more holistic approach to connecting. We need those three levels of engagement. And you know what? The scripture tells us that the early Christians who received Christ, you know, the day of Pentecost under the, the, the preaching of the word from Peter, they actually engage in communities where they partner together in a beautiful way. You see, in Acts chapter 2, which is documenting the early Christians' interaction with one another, um, you know, synonymous of their experiences as, as, uh, as the newly birthed church of Jesus, it's written of them that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They also devoted themselves to fellowship with one another, which involved the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You've already picked it, didn't you? You, you? you already have the insight to recognize the three modes of engagement that the disciples had for, with one another. And no wonder they set the world on fire. No wonder it's written of them that they turned the world upside down. No wonder that 2,000 years later, we're still singing their praises because they brought us the greatest joy by introducing us to Jesus. Imagine if they were quiet and did nothing and they're the only ones that experienced Christ. We would be miserable people, but they, they did the impossible in a, in, 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 a, in a context, in a culture, in, in, in a world that was anti them fully and they suffered the consequences of that. But when you boil it down, you see how they developed and accomplished all the, the incredible uh, world changing, eternally, uh, eternity changing um, uh, endeavors. You go back to that very experience uh, primitive experience, initial experience, and you notice that they were committed to the formal teaching of the apostles. There was a time where there was formality. Some people say they still used to go to the temple early on and there was teaching, but there was a formal component where they learn what Jesus taught. You know, we, we have some, um, uh, you know, some historical data to suggest that there was a book of teaching or called the teaching of the apostles. We, we hear that the teaching of those who are getting baptized over, over the, the years were, they, they were um, incorporated in some sort of a formal teaching experience. But notice the second word, it says that they were also devoted to fellowship together, where they broke bread and they prayed together. They were in a non-formal environment, not only in a deliberate environment of we're going to do this, this, this and that. They were in a non-formal environment where they were interacting with each other and interacting with God in a social context. But look at the third one. It says that they were in each other's home and they ate together. Nobody tells you what actually happened while they were eating together. Uh, nobody tells you what words of praise and honor and encouragement and rebuke maybe or correction that took place. It's just such a simple word, word that sounds so innocent. But maybe that was life transforming. You see what the, the, the following couple of words says that with glad 
and sincere heart. Can you see? They basically were in love with the Lord that it impacted the way they interacted with one another coming from the inside out. They were glad to be together. They were sincere and honest. They didn't put a, a facade. They weren't hypocritical. They were open to one another. They were sincere from the heart out and and they the three forms of learning and engagement and partnership that were obvious in the life of the church and you know what throughout the the, the new testament writings you would see how many times we hear about the one another one another you know carry each other's burden love one another as i have loved you it speaks about forgiving one another it it, it speaks uh, it's about it speaks about stirring one another up for love and good deeds it just speaks over and over of being together as a body that, that that is seeing the development of one another in partnership. You look at Ephesians chapter 4 and Paul is instructing the church um, to equip people who will help others develop and he's saying that the body may reach full maturity. That we, uh, he says that we'll, the body will reach full maturity as we all do our, each person does their part, as each member does their part. So in partnership, we collectively grow and manifest the maturity, the Christ-likeness collectively, which requires Christ-likeness individually. But it happens in a partnership environment. He spoke about the body of Christ being built up into maturity. Uh, it's not the individualistic way we see it, and the collection of the individuals then make up the group. It's looking at the overall, uh, us being the, the body of Christ, and that requires, as, as the body grows, we also grow in our maturity. So how can we, in our current environment with our limitation, we can't do life together daily in each other's homes, how can we disciple people in a way that shows uh, the principles that work so well with the early church, how can that be transferred, transferable for our contemporary context? And I'm going to share with you just some ideas for authentic partnerships. And I deliberately uh, titled it Ideas for authentic partnerships because you will have your your own ideas that make sense in your context so please don't be limited by some of these ideas they're not prescriptive they just hopefully just practical uh, instigators of ideas maybe prompt you to think deeper and maybe uh, stimulate uh, your own uh, brainstorm of what ideas you can engage with the people in groups or one-on-one -on -one that you're discipling. And, and these ideas, I literally cut and paste from uh, our Gen J team who disciple others. We've got amazing people who love God and love people and selflessly disciple others. We, we had a session a um, couple of months ago or so where we, we were sharing how we informally partner with other people. How do we go about partnering with people holistically? And I have grabbed their ideas and I categorized it under three main headings. We engage in authentic partnership by being available. That's our availability.
Secondly, our authentic partnerships are characterized by our vulnerability. And the third one, by invoking responsibility from both parties. So let me go through each one of those availability, vulnerability, and responsibility and share with you some really simple ideas that you could implement or add to or even change and bring your own. First one, availability. This is what our team said about engaging with people, being available for the people that we partner with, creating an environment where we are accessible to people, we're engaging with people beyond the formality of our time together, whether, whether that's a connect group, that's a seminar, or in our case, which is a community of disciples that meet uh, fortnightly. But it's beyond that. And this is some of the things that they do. They're not brainstorming ideas just uh, generically. That's what they actually do. They said things like hanging together, doing normal activities. You know, shopping. You know, some 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 person said that uh, she was going to shop, and she called uh, a person that she's discipling. Said, "Look, I've got the day shopping. Do you want to come and hang around and with me as you know in the car and as we go places, car drives, etc." Uh, they're saying uh, sharing meals together. You know, a community forms around ta a table. Know uh, that the people that you invested in know their love languages. You know whether they they are people that uh, you know prefer gifts or prefer you know words of affirmations or acts of service or quality time or whatever it might be. And send them words or gifts or cards. Uh, do online games now in the in the restrictions that we the world has experienced because of the pandemic. Uh, do online games, you know, FaceTiming just to hang and chat, even when studying or cooking, like it doesn't have to be focused, it can be just hanging around you and, and you're being available to them. Uh, sending selfie videos or photos of something you're doing or funny things happening in your life, even the most random of things. Sending messages with thinking of you or praying for you. Uh, sending restaurant or fun activity recommendations, uh, maybe after COVID is over, uh, sending Uber Eats or gifts or cards to their house. Can you see that we're making ourselves available and accessible regardless of the limitation uh, of maybe not being around the people face-to-face -face all the time? The second thing uh, that I, uh, I learned from our team is their vulnerability. So uh, some of them wrote vulnerability and daily connection, like a David and a Jonathan friendship, fully committed to one another. That it's powerful. And I'm not kidding to say some of our disciples are connecting with the people they invested in literally daily. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just praying for them or sending them a word or just asking about them. And I don't mean everybody has the capacity to do it daily, but they got to be regularity. If you're connecting with people when you meet them fortnightly, that's not going to build um, you know, an environment of vulnerability and accessibility to one another. Uh, sharing learnings as you learn, even if it's a random. Say, God is teaching you something. Why don't you send? Uh, my wife, Susie, does that brilliantly. She sends learning while still fresh in her mind. She doesn't wait for a blog to be well written or a, or, a, or a teaching session seminar like me. She just sends it right away. Just authentic, raw. 
praying and fasting for the people you're discipling and sharing words or pictures or scriptures with them. So sharing like quiet time sharing, you know, God has been talking to me about this. Uh, I send you that and you send me your sharing uh, during the week, not just in the formality of a meeting. Praying together at for, uh, outside formal groups. Like you don't have to wait for a, a formal gathering to pray together. You can pray together at other times. Also vulnerability is encouraged by sharing goals and spiritual progress. What are your goals? What are you, what are God, what is God telling you to pursue during the next three months? And, and how are you going with that? And being honest that you would share your goals as well. And confess failings and flaws, obviously as deemed appropriate and edifying for the person. Like don't go crazy. <laughs> Ask questions, help them dig deep and reflect. You know, it's not just vulnerability. It's not about talking about the the. Um, you, you know, the weather and talking about sport all the time. Mind you, boys can start with that. That's fine. Um, confront with utter respect when things don't seem out of character for them. If there is something that's not going quite right, if you feel like there is, there might be something impeding on their relationship with Jesus, confront that. Help me understand, you could say. Always in love and respect. People owe us nothing. We're there to help them like a spiritual parent would. Encourage them lavishly on their progress not just on their results. If you see that they're taking good progress, encourage that. Don't wait until they set the uh, world on fire. And then responsibility. Uh, be responsible without taking the responsibility away. Be responsible for them, like feel for them. Uh, be committed to their growth and development, but don't take the responsibility away. Don't do things for them. Don't think for them. Don't, don't, don't promote a particular way that they should go. Let them be responsible for their own actions and their growth with Jesus and how they navigate life's experiences. Wrestle in prayer and fasting for them, maybe weekly. Provide opportunities for them to have increased responsibility in discipling others. Launch them. Believe in them. Be with them, maybe starting with a safe environment. And once they do that in a safe environment, provide them constructive feedback. You know, you led this really well. You cared here really well. You gave constructive feedback here. And then share a vision uh, by treating them as partners in a discipling movement. Like, what are your vision? Let's follow through with one another. Here is an incredible way that we've seen that it change our environment, discipling environment. We're seeing people, five generation of multiplication. This person invests in this group, they invest in this group, they invest in this group. And the final group of people that I'm so proud of two girls in year 11 who started two communities of disciples in their own school, different campuses in Melbourne, Australia, year 11 girls who've been discipled by people who've been discipled by others and they turning their world upside down for Jesus. I couldn't be more excited. I have tried so many different ways of discipling people and experienced different models of discipleship. This has been a God-given gift. Credit only to God. Glory only to God. And I hope that you would come on board and pursue God in the way that you disciple others, modeling a, a, a possibility for others to desire to live that way of life at Jesus-like disciples, teaching them progressive pattern and partnering them, not just sending them on their way, but being there with them as you see Jesus formed in their life. That is our prayer for you so we can see multiplication and multiplication of Jesus-like people that would invade the world with the love of God. 
Thank you so much for being with us. In the next session, we're going to begin looking at the second category of our teaching series, Band of Disciples. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a beautiful day.